0: Okay, we've actually ridden over the—I well, have anyway. Um, I've ridden over the tar and cement this morning in the rain, which was probably pretty stupid of me. But every time I got to a deadline for catching public transport, it passed. And I thought I'm going to miss that bus, train, whatever. So it was the bike. Here we are.
2: It was the bike all along.
0: It was Karina, and you've had a tragedy with your bike this week.
2: Ah, uh, yes, but it was my own fault. I did leave it locked up on a main road overnight uh, and all night. It's sadly gone.
0: Not, I wouldn't say all night, but fair bit of the night.
2: Yeah, fair bit
0: of the. <laughs> right. Okay. The,
2: oh, r- more on the AM side.
0: <laughs> so, I think you were celebrating your birthday last week, weren't you? So, yes, I was. Happy, happy B.
2: Thank you very much, Kevin.
0: <laughs> uh, and we're here, of course, with City Limits. It's the fifth Wednesday of the month, today we're going to cross very shortly in about two or three minutes. In fact, there's a rally taking place right now. It's bad luck with them the weather, though, unfortunately. Uh, but last week we spoke to Julia Stockard from Save Westernport, and you recall, she said today they're having a rally at eight thirty at Parliament to uh, to highlight for the government the problems that it, that the proposed the proposed hydrogen plant made from brown coal, that another threat on Hastings and Westernport. Uh, by a Japanese company, Poses, and the, the rally is around that issue. So, we're going to talk to Julia very shortly. And the, it's been co sponsored also, not by, by say Westernport and Friends of the Earth, and the no gas person at Friends of the Earth is Freya Lennon. I'm going to talk to Freya as well after we talk. So, we'll talk to both of them down at the rally in the next 10 minutes or so.
2: Yes, if uh, if listeners aren't already down there with listening listening to City Limits on a little <laughs> <not>
0: transistor, right? They <laughs> can watch them watch the see if the mouth coordinates with what they're hearing in the radio, which it won't. But that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, but uh, also, um, we're going to have in the second half of the program about twenty two or so. I'm going to talk to uh, Jack Howard. Jack Jack is secretary of a group called Labour Against War. And he, in that capacity, attended the Labour Party conference recently, and will report back on that and the whole question of AUKUS and the way it was orchestrated and choreographed to make sure that the the AUKUS deal, unfortunately, was accepted. When I think, and Jack, I think Jack will will admit, the majority of people in the, inside the ALP itself oppose AUKUS, but. That wasn't reflected in the in the conference. We'll talk to Jack about that.
2: Mm, Jam packed program this this fifth <sighs> Wednesday.
0: Jam packed. I'm going to pour you a cup of tea down. a cup of tea? I would adore a cup of tea. Oh, don't do that. But you can you can you can enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, not too much on the air, at least. It's a bit silly to to adore something that's inanimate.
2: Uh, I mean, you know, we do what we can. <laughs>
0: I suppose so. Thank <laughs> you very you much, Kevin. Okay, so that's it. We'll look, We will, in fact, now go to uh, Julia. We'll get a kick-off with that because... Um, oh,
2: let me have a sip first, my okay, goodness. Well, I have <laughs> a,
0: well, you have a sip and I'll have a You have a sip first. You cheers. Sip. Cheers, here we go. There we are. That's quite a cheers. <laughs> Obviously, your birthday is carrying on. You can make believe at that... That it looks a bit like whiskey. You can make believe it's, it's whiskey. I'm sure in, in plays and things it's always tea when they have whiskey. So <laughs> there you are. Or uh, the other way around, whiskey when they have tea. <laughs> well, maybe, that's right. Yes, for some of them, that's for sure. Secret of good acting. Yeah. <laughs> what, get pissed? <laughs> um, it's a bit early for that kind of talk now, Kevin. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry I said get. Um, <laughs> okay. It's, uh, we'll get, get Julia on the line. We'll take a quick break and get Julia.
3: We have a right to be in public space undertaking political activity that is not something that people should be telling us that we can't do
0: Multiple actions rolling over months and years and create huge sustained pressure of social change
3: And what we're seeing around the country right now is increasing repression of protest
4: Protest works that's why I think uh, we're seeing it criminalised all over the place 3CR. Stay tuned, stay radical.
0: Okay, we left to talk to Julia Stockett, and she, in this footy final season, has handballed the whole thing to Jane Carnegie, who's also with Save Western Point, and Jane was the speaker, I think, today at the rally. Um, Jane, we're just checking. We spoke to Julia last week. We're just checking how the rally's going. It's a hell of a morning for it in in terms of weather, but. What's happening out there?
3: Well, look, we've we've just, just finished. Am I echoing or not? Um,
0: no, no, you're not busy.
3: OK, OK. We've just finished. It was absolutely pouring with rain, but I have to say it was a remarkable rally. Um, so many people came out in these conditions. We had a contingent of 22 people come all the way down from Western Port, got up at 5.45 this morning in order to come down to the rally. We had the Sybils, um, who were just an amazing group that... Uh, you know, participate in many of these things against all fossil fuel projects. And they had, um, you know, made it very clear that they totally opposed this whole uh, coal-to-hydrogen project, um, which is really just a form of insanity in, in this day and age with our climate emergency. Uh, so, yeah, a great rally. Um, we had uh, two or three speakers, the spoke, Friends of the Earth and myself, um, and we really just put it to the Victorian government that this has no place in this state and they need to take a leadership role now and uh, tell the Japanese consortium uh, that it won't be going any further.
0: And this is about, in fact, the Japanese consortium wants to bring brown coal in to develop hydrogen, but then it claims it's it's um, it's net zero because it's going to bury the um, CO2 in the sand somewhere um, That's correct, yes. Which even Ed Yousik, who's a state government federal minister, says that doesn't work, even though his um, resources minister says it does. So the government's quite (laughs) divided.
3: And I think it's divided down here. But, I mean, we really hope that in both governments, uh, there are more that certainly agree with this position that the coal has to stay in the ground, that the only way to produce hydrogen is from renewables, that is green hydrogen, that if you produce hydrogen from brown coal and then you uh, say you're going to sequester it through carbon capture and storage and claim it's green, it is just not going to work. Large-scale carbon capture and storage has not worked anywhere in the world. You've got the Gorgon project off WA, which has failed miserably. The pilot for this, you know, brown coal to hydrogen project didn't even test CCS, yet, you know, we're at a position where... um, Certain people just wanted to go ahead. Um, the whole thing is is just madness, and we yeah, well,
0: can't have to stop. On this program, many years ago, when Gorgon was being promoted, uh, we interviewed a uh, an academic geologist called Ginny Llewellyn, lovely Welsh accent, and she pointed right. out she pointed out that even if they could bury it, the 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 geology there is so porous it'd come out again anyway. So um, you know, it just doesn't work anywhere.
3: Well, it it, it does. I mean, look, certainly uh, small-scale CCS has worked, but we're talking... This project will produce between 2.3 and 3.9 billion tonnes of new emissions in Victoria. So here we have a state that's got climate targets, it's got emissions targets, it claims that it's doing everything that it can to to try and... um, you know, bring down emissions and let's reach, you know, net zero. Um, and yet we have this, this particular project on the cards. Um, you can't have both. You've lost all your credibility if you have both. I mean, they, they say they're in, in uh, favour of all renewables. You know, down in Western Port, we also have the potential for um, a, quite a big project, which is to produce the, uh, the wind farm. Need an extra layer for the cooler. Sorry?
0: Yeah, we got something cut in Then go on. yes. Uh,
3: yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've got a huge wind farm project down in Western Port, and yet they want to build this liquefaction plant in Western Port as well. Well, you can't have both. I mean, Western Port is a Ramsar wetland, as I'm sure Julia told your listeners last week. It is just not suitable at all for any more fossil fuel projects. We already have SO, we have Blue Scope Steel, it's enough. Renewables, yes but no more
0: fossil fuel projects. yeah no. As a young bloke, I used to head down about five in the morning the, in a Volkswagen to Point Leo, to, uh, and I know that area well. It's such a, such a beautiful, pristine area, and it's just terrible what they're trying to do to it.
3: It is absolutely beautiful, and, of course, if you love your surfing, if you love your fishing, you've got you know the penguins on Phillip Island. Why on earth would you put something like this in that location? Um, why on earth would you have something like this in the first place?
0: Yeah, all right, Jane. Look, thanks for that. What's your next step, though, now from here? We'll finish up on that. Um,
3: Well, look, there's there's certainly a petition going around um, which uh, the Greens have put on the table, a parliamentary petition, so that it will actually be debated in the Parliament rather than any, you know, secret deals done to enable the the project to go ahead. So that's one of our big steps. We're trying to get 10,000 signatures. um, And so if any of your listeners are really... um, you know, against this project or at least want to hear it debated in full so that, you know, a decision can be made effectively, um, if you can go to our Save Western Port website, um, you can sign up there and see what's going on and also uh, sign the petition. Um, so that's really our next steps now. And we just, you know, implore uh, Dan Andrews and his government to um, to take some leadership here and and close it down before it can go any further.
0: All right, Jane. Look, thanks for that, and good luck, and, um, and keep the keep the show going. That's good.
3: Okay, well done. Thank right you. Out. Thanks a lot. Thanks that was very much.
0: <coughs> that was Jane Carnegie from um, Save Port. and we're going to go shortly to I think another break now, and go to Freya Leonard from Friends of the Earth, who also spoke at that rally, and uh, we'll get Freya's view of the whole thing.
2: 3CR needs members to survive. By becoming a subscriber, you're helping us to remain fiercely independent and free of commercials and corporate influence.
0: Are you
4: a paid-up subscriber? It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation, and $300 solidarity.
1: Great value for 24-7 community-owned and community-controlled media. Please become a subscriber member today. Call the station on 03 9419 8377. Or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe.
4: Gas is a toxic fossil fuel, yet gas exploration by sonic explosion is planned for the Otway Basin. Seismic blasting kills plankton and deafens whales, disrupting their migration. This blasting is opposed by coastal
0: communities from Geelong to Apollo Bay and Warrnambool who strive to protect the ocean ecosystems. Bring Whale Song into Nam City Friday the 15th of September at
4: Queen's Bridge near Flinders Street at 4.30pm and onto the State Library for 5.30pm. Rally for Whale Song Not Gas is hosted by Extinction Rebellion, a 3CR
0: supporter. Okay, Freya Lerner, of course, is the no gas person, at trends of the earth. I think you spoke at the rally this morning, didn't you, Freya? Did you speak there? Hello, yes,
1: yeah. Yeah. I did. I was out in the driving rain on the steps
0: of Parliament <laughs> House <right>. this morning. <laughs> I, I rode a bike in the driving rain to here, which was stupid on me too. But um, Not that I'm interested in your stupid, Freya, but um, the, the rally, um, Jane Carnegie says she was quite successful. Lots of people came down. What was your impression of the whole thing?
1: Look, I was absolutely blown away to see about 100 people assembled on the steps of Parliament in this weather. Um, really just an incredible demonstration of the strength of sentiment against this project. We had a busload um, of people come up from uh, Hastings this morning. They got on the bus at 5.45 to stand in the rain on the steps of Parliament House. So I was just speaking to another woman who drove up from Gippsland. So she got in the car at... this morning so she could come up and attend the rally today it really just goes to show the locals don't want uh brown coal to produce hydrogen for export to japan and um and indeed numerous others feel very very strongly against this project
0: yeah you've raised it now but what what is your objection to the whole thing
1: well, I mean, quite apart from the fact that here we are in climate emergency, we've just had the hottest July on record uh, in human history, and uh, and we know from all of the experts that we can't afford a single new fossil fuel project. Uh, we're also very concerned about the 150km pipeline, cutting across Gunai-Kernai country um, in West Gippsland, some of the um, best agricultural land in Victoria, um, for a... Um, hydrogen pipeline that will almost certainly leak hydrogen um, to deliver that hydrogen, such as is left, to Hastings for liquefaction. And we are also concerned that when they did a trial run of this project in January last year, they couldn't produce enough hydrogen to fill the tanker. Then when they did, they had to buy in hydrogen from other sources. When they did fill the tanker, there was a hydrogen leak causing a deck fire at Hastings, um, I mean, it's really just the people of Hastings probably don't want a Hindenburg on their doorstep uh, for all of the reasons. It just can't go ahead. Um, I'd also like to point to the Institute of Energy Economics and Financial Analysis, who um, absolutely tore the business case of this project a new one. It's completely unviable and just makes no economic sense as far as they're concerned. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because Julia mentioned that to us last week about that fire on board the ship, and yet the Japanese company claims the test was absolutely successful and they say the government should now approve the project.
1: The Japanese company claims that they're going to be able to offset the 730,000 cars, petrol cars worth of emissions each year represented by this project through the world's largest carbon capture and storage proposal. Um, carbon capture and storage has not been successful anywhere in the world. Even the best-case scenario, which is a project in Norway, has started leaking carbon dioxide into side chambers. It hasn't made its way back out into the atmosphere yet, but it's only a matter of minutes before it does. So I don't think we can really listen to the proponents when they're talking about this project because they are not really making a lot of sense. They're just holding their hand out to the Japanese government, who's already given them $2.35 billion um, just for the trial of this project. So we're not prepared to take them at their word. We think that they're way too invested in their
0: own hip pocket. The the previous proposal threatening Western Port, which was the floating gas production plant, at least went to an EES. And rather surprisingly, I think by our standards here, the EES knocked it back. Um, Mm. There should at least be an EES on this, shouldn't there, at at the least? Well, that's right.
1: Um, Indeed, there's... There's, you know so they have engaged in some community consultation uh, I haven't attended any of those meetings but I hear from the people who have they were completely underwhelmed by um, the credibility of the information that they were being given they felt like they were just being um, talked into it rather than having their substantive concerns um, addressed so um, so yeah I mean there's there's any um, any number of concerns held locally
0: about that. Um, excuse me, I just had somebody distract me for a sec. Just, just moving on to, a, to your, your general area of, uh, of expertise, um, a story recently in the Financial Review, gas pipeline owners have been accused of seeking nearly half a billion dollars in financial breaks so they can charge customers more to cover early obsolescence of distribution networks while touting a rosy future for renewable gas Um, they're obviously seeing the writing on the wall but also trying to rip off at the same time.
1: That's exactly right. They're trying to have it both ways. And look, you know, I think it's worth making the point that I don't think anybody shed a tear for the leg caliper industry when the polio vaccine came in and this is pretty much the same sort of deal. Their business model is outdated. It's one that has caused untold destruction to our environment and our climate and it's time for them to suck it up, come up with, put on um adult pants (laughs) and come up with a um, coherent plan to wind up their business. Um, We see, you know, industries come and go and this is an industry that should have gone a long time ago.
0: Yeah, all right, Freya. Look, we'll wind it up there. But just to make you feel a bit more cheerful, um, you'll be pleased to know Karina and I are both enjoying a lovely cup of uh, white tea at the moment. It's wonderful. Oh, I
1: love your tea, Kevin. <laughs> I wish I was there. I'm going to go and I'm um, a cafe and find myself a coffee. I'm had
0: sure, one I'm sure you will. Uh, but look, I'm glad. I'm pleased to hear. That we're all, all pleased to hear it was such a successful rally this morning. And, um, and all power to you, to you all in the future. Keep Keep it going.
1: Thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you, Michael. We'll talk
0: morning. again soon. Thanks a lot, Traia Leonard. There, who's the no gas person with Friends of the Earth, and um, it sounds like it was a damn good rally, Karina.
2: Certainly does. Um, it's, it's so great to hear back from everyone. So excited. A hundred people down on the steps in the in the in the pouring rain. Um,
0: right. at eight
2: thirty a.m. as well. I Well, might at five like,
0: forty-five, or it was. I got on the bus. It's pretty pretty geez. good to get them all out there and. Uh, it shows the community is really concerned, so that's just great. Look, we'll take a break, come back, and we'll talk some more, then we'll move on and talk to Jack Howard um, in about a quarter of an hour or so.
2: Sounds good to me. The Seamage Union and the Waterside
1: Workers' Federation took part in the longest boycott in Australian history after Fenerife took over in Chile. A democratically elected government was overthrown with the
4: help of the United States.
1: There are many Chileans in Australia who suffered torture, imprisonment and whose family members have been disappeared. We can't move forward as a society without healing these past crimes.
2: The Chilean community, in partnership with the AMWU's International Solidarity Initiative, is holding a commemorative event for the 50th anniversary of Chile's coup, September 11, the day that changed us forever. Join generations of Chilean refugees, exiles and recent arrivals, together with Australian unionists and activists in the solidarity movement, for a night of testimonies, speakers, poetry and music. On Monday, September 11, from 6pm at Solidarity Hall at the Victorian Trades Hall, This event will be held in English, and all are welcome. To register, search for Chile 50 Years on eventbrite.com.au. Chile, 50 years of solidarity and struggle. A 3CR supporter.
3: Okay,
0: back on City Limits, and uh, I just thought of go through a couple of items I thought interesting this week the, the daily attack on Dan I mean we we have no I think we all have criticisms of Dan and very very strong here but uh, never really for the reasons the Herald Sun gets stuck into him but every, you know it's been going on as we know for years every day he turns into the as we call him on the on the week that was the pejorative Dan i mean, <laughs> speaking of the week that was um I do want to thank a listener who sent me a card about the the fortieth anniversary of the week that was a couple of weeks ago um, and um and look, just thank you for that and uh, and you shouldn't have but thank you very much and um, I appreciate your your thoughts just uh, I should' have mentioned that earlier, but oh that's
2: thanks. lovely, Kevin. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, the fortieth anniversary of of the same running joke for forty years every week. Um,
2: You're doing something right. <laughs> well, or right. everyone else is doing no, something wrong.
0: No one says stop, so I just <laughs> <keep> going. <laughs> that's ridiculous. I mean, well, it was only it was a one-off once, and then they said do something next week, and then it happened. It was the first Keating budget in 1983, so that's how I know it's the fortieth anniversary because that was in August.
2: That's always how they get you coming back as yeah, well. That's,
0: that's right. That's just right. one more. Anyway, so that was that. Um, But Dan, this week, there was a big headline, Booze Blues, um, exclusive. Dan Andrews' daytime drink session images leaked after he warned MPs not to hit pubs. Booze Blues. Images have been leaked of Daniel Andrews and his wife at the pub for several hours on a Friday afternoon in the middle of the deliberations about ditching the Commonwealth Games. Now, you go into the inside story, another full page of this, Long Lunch Before Games Bombshell, Dan's Pub Stumble, Typical Herald Sun rubbish, but it turns out it was a, a it was a paid lunch with a whole lot of people um, to celebrate. I mean, it was celebrating some wine company having something or other. So it wasn't. It was a it was a corporate deal, do. But he was there at a at a at a corporate type lunch, mixing with people. Um, uh, with, which presumably, as whether he did it as premier or as an individual, doesn't matter, I suppose. But it wasn't like he was leaning on a barrel afternoon, getting getting um, that word I used earlier, getting pissed. Um, <laughs> he was um, he was actually at a at a do uh, with a lot of other people. which went through Friday afternoon. It was a Friday lunch. Um, but that turns out in the Herald Sun's book to be. Um, some terrible crime,
2: but that usually aligns with their values, you know, uh, sweetening sweetening the deal and spending spending money on, uh, like, probably a winemaking lobby group or yeah. whatnot. But this time, no, no, no.
0: If they'd followed your birthday celebrations last week, Karina, you'd be able you'd be, able to be about ten pages about. What do you
2: mean? Last week? It's still going. Oh,
0: okay, <laughs> your, your ongoing birthday celebrations. Yes, that, that's it. That'd, that'd be right. If they'd followed it, <laughs> hey, at least
2: it wasn't a day's long lunch. Let's just say that.
0: That's right. Well, you would you say your bike disappeared in the middle of the night somewhere? That's right. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Um, now, again. Um, Peter Dutton has come out, and we know he's come out and said that he supports nuclear energy uh, in Australia and we talked to Dave, not Dave. we talked to Dave, 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 Dave Sweeney from Australian Conservation Foundation and others regularly about the disaster and all that but now you be pleased to know Pete says that those of us who oppose it and I think we can cl- include ourselves here <coughs> they... we and Accuse the government of and prioritising us, which is us. We are call We are political dinosaurs. And we 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 haven't got the national interest at heart. And we're putting the country on a path to lights out with our resistance to nuclear power. You'll be pleased to hear from that giant mind. Lights mine the, out. Yes, lights out. From that giant mind, Peter Dutton. Well, if he's in the room, I'd turn the lights out. I must say. Oh no, that's a bit risky as well. But anyway, um, I don't want to. But, but seeing him in the room, you'd certainly that's right. Queen is pointing to a t shirt that uh, I've got a dinosaur shirt dinosaur, on, I thought oh, it was appropriate. Yeah, well, you, you, you really are, aren't you? You're one of these, that's for sure. Let's
2: get the visual puns <clears throat> going on the radio this morning,
0: and he tells us, of course, um, just how wonderful it is. Um, and with the Labor Party's failing, other countries are doing it. And I, I even quote, just to prove it, that Pete's right, they quote a nuclear scientist called Addie Patterson, this is the Herald Sun, of course, said while it was expensive, nuclear power costs less to get to consumers than far away uh, renewable energy projects. But of course he doesn't, they, none of them ever mention the fact that then you've got a couple of hundred thousand years of, of waste that could... Uh, Helped us apart from climate change, but well, I suppose it balances out because you can have the waste because it won't matter because climate change is going to kill the earth anyway, so it won't be around to have all that stuff to leak. Yeah,
2: um, yeah. I mean uh, Dutton sense. Dutton does sound like quite the expert. I didn't realise they incorporated that into Queensland police training.
0: No, um, no, he's an expert in everything that way. Yeah. yeah, in fact, he's um, well. In terms of confusion as they're trying to create, we know they're trying to create an obfuscate around the the voice, but uh, he's now found not only is he not getting enough detail, if only he got enough detail, he would have said yes, there's no question of that, but he just didn't get enough detail, detail, detail. Um, but now he says that the, the whole voting scheme's loaded. Interesting. Yeah, the voting scheme's loaded against the no vote, and we're going to get... Inundated with lying ads from the Yes campaign now in the next few weeks, he said. So he's, oh, poor Pete, he's going through hell, isn't he?
2: Sounds like. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I think it's time to move on to the next item, Kevin.
0: Well, the next item is the same item, actually, because Alan Alan Finkel, who is the ex chief scientist who, Mm. um, you know, has at times himself talked about nuclear, but he now says, not responding directly to, but certainly in the same day or two of of Pete's wise words he says it would take decades to develop a local nuclear energy industry and um, he rejected the um, he rejected Pete's push to switch focus from renewables to nuclear as implausible since Australia needs urgent replacement for its aging coal-fired power plants so even Alan Finkel's come out and uh, said that maybe Pete isn't on the right path we is on the right path, of course. we you look politically, but um, not the correct path.
2: Yeah, I don't know about arriving to a correct answer through through other means, but I'll take what I can get.
0: Yeah, that's
2: right. Dude, yeah. There's always different pathways, right? <laughs> Whatever. Oh, it'll take too long. <laughs>
0: that's right. It'll take exactly. too long, and I'm
2: invested <laughs> in other things, right?
0: And and in, in well, obviously. Peter Dutton and, and and Finkel are not on Parallel words, Worlds on that one. But in Parallel Worlds, it's interesting because as um, Donald Trump faces all sorts of charges and, and, you know, attacked the voting system in America and claims he won the election and he's now facing all these charges, and I'd be surprised if any of them end up sticking, by the way, because just as a by-the-by, it seems to me it, in, in the current state of the American politics, it would be very, very difficult to get 12 jurors of whom one at least would not be a Trump supporter who would never vote guilty in any circumstances. Mm. Uh, that seems to me to be the biggest barrier, that they're finding a jury of 12 who would honestly look at the thing rather than total bias.
2: And who would be yeah. honest about their biases from the get-go. If yeah, they that's would.
0: right. So yep. that, that, that seems to me to be one of the difficult ones they're going to have to work out. But... Bolsonaro in Brazil, who uh, also got knocked off. Mm. Um, now he also uh, attempted to get, like, like Trump attempted to get people to go and protest about the vote outside the parliament thing, um, and riots in the capital in Brasilia in January, and he's now being um, investigated over that, like Trump was investigated, mm. but also a, um, a a local politician or. His lawyers, in fact, um, well, no, a local politician, a bloke called um, Del Getty, has come out. Walter Del Getty Nito um, has said he's he's actually a hacker, but he says he was approached by Bolsonaro to hack the electoral system um, on Bolsonaro's behalf. Uh, and pointed out he couldn't because the system isn't in in the internet's world, but he's gone before some inquiry. So it seems like they're just... uh, Bolsonaro and Trump were operating in parallel worlds. Parallel worlds. Right along, yes. So um, I find that particularly interesting. Another item that's come up that I think is is quite serious is that in the mad strive for profits post-pandemic as... Uh for, for all sorts of reasons, prices of resources have gone through the roof. And so these companies are now making, as we know, mega millions and super profits. And yet, if you suggest you should tax them, they tell you that's going to destroy the world as we know it. But the, the problem with that seems now to be that because they're making so much profit, they've let workplace safety slip. And there was a feature article in The Age last week. Uh, When safety takes a dive, and it uh, points out, it's a long article, but I'll just lead lead into it. The pandemic has hurt the safety and mental health of workers in Australia's oil and gas industry. The major operators have now switched emphasis to financial performance. And so we've got a situation where in that industry, which we know is a, a dangerous industry and they have to be very careful um, we're suddenly seeing uh, a spate of, of injuries in workers because they're putting their profits ahead of the safety of the workers.
2: I find the, the language in that way. They've now, they've now switched their focus.
0: Yeah, that's right, now. <laughs> it's a never, financial did, performance. That's right. They never thought of it before, did no. they? No. <laughs> oh, I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. No. And you'll also be pleased to know, we mentioned last week about... Um, about Anthony Pratt, who um, the, the, who took over, of course, from his old man Richard, the busy empire. Uh, he operates mostly in America these days, but he he has had his eye. We mentioned last week on workers' super, and he says that workers' super should be invested in the industry. I think he, by investing in industry, I think he means maintaining in his pocket. Oh yeah, <clears throat> good old Anthony, and he he sponsored a a, a conference last week about it, um, um a super super fund lending roundtable, which means it's a it's a fund it's a. It's a round table to work out how to get all that money into the pocket of industry. And he, this week he's won a full page ad, Creating Aussie Jobs and Thank You, etc., uh, to Treasurer. And he's photographed, I mean, the way these people have such influence in our society, he's photographed with three ex Labour Party Treasurer, or three, no, one current and two ex. He's photographed with Wayne Swan, who's president of the ALP and is former treasurer of course the current treasurer Jim Chalmers and another ex-treasurer and prime minister in Paul Keating there with him and he's thanking them for their leadership at the conference that he uh, he sponsored and uh, you think well you know why why don't they go to some people go down to a say a soup kitchen or a, a homeless refuge and uh, Tell those people um, how they can help them as well. Yeah, Uh,
2: I mean, speaking of unbiased, that's mm -hmm. on some parallel worlds. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's not difficult to find the motivation there.
0: It's not difficult at all. Um, And they all, of course, want their own um, their own ends. Like the banks now, the the government is talking about bringing in new regulations around artificial intelligence. But the banks say they should be carved out of it because there are already so many regulations on banks, they tell us, that makes it even more difficult. And um, a former former Labor. Premier, of course, Anna Bly, who is now the spokesperson for the banking industry, Mm. and she says um, they're pushing for a potential carve-out from any new requirements, citing extensive existing regulation. They've asked the Department of Industry, Science and Resources, which is weighing a new regulatory regime to govern AI, to, quote, consider whether the legislation needs to apply to specific highly regulated sectors such as the banking sector. Poor dears, because... They're so highly regulated, they hardly make a cent, do they? Like they, Apart from the record profits they do make, um, they hardly make a cent.
2: No, they, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not in disagreement with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always and,
2: counting money, never getting any.
0: And South 32, which is an offshoot of BHP and which is a resource company, it says that um, the IR regulations the government want to bring in will kill it. It's te- quite terrible. And in fact, they say their forecast production cost increases across the majority of their global operations uh, with rising labour costs, its biggest headache in Australia, rising labour costs in Australia, are its biggest headache. and and they said it was cheaper to operate in the United States where the company is focused on developing its homoza base metals project than in Australia. Labor cost pressures were also less of an issue in South America and Southern Africa for South 32. We almost slave labor in some of those places. Alarm bells. If we talk about labor costs, I mean, clearly an area of higher inflation has been in Australia. So there we are. We're pricing our bloody workers and pricing. Look, I think... I've done it. I often say, look, why don't these people just get rid of workers altogether, and go and dig it up themselves? Why doesn't the bloke who said that go and down to the mine and dig it up and don't? He wouldn't have to worry about workers then, would he? No, he would Wage costs.
2: Pesky old workers. and will be
0: in his pocket. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the answer, get rid of workers. Get rid of workers who don't want to
2: be exploited.
0: That's it, that's it. Speaking of, we'll get um, Jack Howard, who (laughs) does work for unions, but we'll get him on the line and talk to him about uh, the ALP conference.
3: Disabled people are worth every bloody piece. I'm okay. We spending money on the supports that we need. There's more than 400,000
4: people who should be on the DSP but are on Jobseeker instead. I've got a life to I've got commitment like everybody else in society.
3: The only way to provide meaningful support is stronger grassroots movements. These institutions are never going to be our saviour. If everyone was the same, it would be a boring old world we live
4: in.
1: We need to do a lot of work in this country around shifting community attitudes towards people that don't fit the white, able, straight, cisgendered person.
4: 3CR. Stay tuned, stay radical.
0: OK, on the line we've got Jack Howard. Jack um, is Secretary of a group called Labour Against War, and Jack in that capacity attended the recent ALP National Conference up in Brisbane. And Jack, um, the, the Orcas deal, speaking of war, was, uh, was passed by the conference. Does that mean that in the ALP there's majority support for it?
4: Firstly, I'm one of the spokespeople for Labor Against War in Victoria, rather than Secretary.
0: Oh, um, right. We'll just correct ourselves. Thanks a lot.
4: No, all. No, no. You've got to be rigorous with these things, Kevin. Oh, yes. Um, and um, speaking in a strictly personal capacity on behalf of Labor Against War and not on behalf of any other groups or unions, uh, it doesn't mean that authors carry support among the majority of Labor Party members at all. Um, I'm absolutely certain that the majority of rank and file members of the Labor Party mm. and of members of... Unions affiliated to Labor don't support AUKUS uh, and I don't believe they ever would support AUKUS or the acquisition of nuclear submarines. Uh, What's happened is that the government has got its way at national conference and it's got its way by no small part misrepresenting the facts around AUKUS uh, and the acquisition of nuclear submarines as well as the international situation with the United States and China.
0: Yeah. They, 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 certainly leading up to the conference, there were reports of motions coming in from all over the place opposing the AUKUS deal. And yet, at the same time, those articles were saying, well, there's chore—you know, it's been choreographed to ensure that nonetheless, AUKUS is approved so we don't embarrass the Prime Minister. That was the line.
4: That's exactly right. I can go through in detail what actually happened with the debate at AUKUS, the National Conference, if that's what you're Yeah, sure. To, uh, what yeah. You think?
0: Yep, sure. Well,
4: <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a bit of a cough at the moment. Um, basically, what happened was, in the final lead-up to the um, consideration of AUKUS on the Friday morning of the National Conference, that was the second day of National Conference, what happened is Richard Bowles, the Defence Minister and Deputy Prime Minister from the right faction, submitted a lengthy statement in detail on AUKUS to go into the foreign policy chapter, that chapter being Australia's place in the change of well now, this statement in detail was 34 paragraphs long. It was far and away the single longest section, uh, I think, in any part uh, of Labor's new national platform. What that statement was basically about was um, entrenching a commitment to workers and the nuclear-powered sub by sugarcoating it with a lot of motherhood statements about Australia's commitment to a peaceful region, a peaceful world, Working through nuclear, you know, working through multilateral institutions, uh, and also keeping up a commitment to um, nuclear non-proliferation and uh, no use of, you know, nuclear power for civilian purposes. Um, it was a lengthy, lengthy exercise in public relations. Now that's now been affirmed and passed in um, the national platform as a result of the debate that went on. A key part of that um, statement in detail, Kevin, it reads as follows. Labor will maintain Australia's long-standing position of not possessing or seeking to acquire nuclear weapons. Labor will maintain the prohibition on the establishment of nuclear power plants. This prohibition does not apply to a naval nuclear propulsion plant related to use in a conventionally armed nuclear-powered submarine. In other words, it makes the one exception that matters for anything which is, that we can use nuclear power for these nuclear-powered submarines. Now, the Electrical Trades Union, uh, which sits in the National Left faction, they moved an amendment to that state of detail to delete that last sentence I uh, just read out. In other words, um, to make clear uh, that the exception doesn't apply to nuclear-powered submarines. Uh, I should say that there were uh, that the commitment and support for nuclear-powered submarines was Gathered throughout other parts of that statement in detail, but removing that sentence would still remove a key commitment to nuclear powered submarines in Labor's official national platform. So, what happened on Friday morning is there was a lengthy debate for about 40, 45 minutes um, between, on one side, the supporter of Richard Bowles' statement in detail, unamended, uh, and then the supporter of the ETU's amendment to it to remove that support for nuclear powered submarines and that key passage. Um without wanting to bore your listeners with the itinerary of it. The speakers for the government in that debate were Richard Bowles, the you know, Albanese, Pat Conroy, the Defence Industry Minister, ostensibly of the left faction, uh, and then the National Secretary of Australian Workers Union, Paul Farrow, the AW remains reliably pro walkers. And then the speaker for the thesis for the ETU's amendment, in other words, for removing that commitment to nuclear powered submarines with well, Michael Reich, the ETU's National Secretary. Josh Wilson, he's the backbench federal member for Fremantle. Uh, and Felicity Wade, she's the national co-convener of the Labor Environment Action Network at Leeds. I believe they were all the speakers. There may have been more, but I think those were it. Um, however, it was always known that the government was always was going to win this debate. That was always understood. Um, this was the first national conference in decades, or perhaps if ever, when the supposedly, you know, official left faction, the national left, had an outright numerical majority on national conference floor. Um, but it was agreed for a long time back that the national left would not bind uh, on this debate or on, you know, either supporting the government's statement in detail or the ETU's amendment. So the government was able to comfortably carry the vote on this. The combined vote of delegates from the national right faction and enough delegates from the national left faction. It doesn't mean that each of you were alone at all um, in supporting an the amendment. There are other delegates from the left and non-aligned delegates that support them. But the result was absolutely never in doubt to any of the players in the debate at all. Um, it was always understood which way it was going to go from a thousand miles away. And of course, the debate was um, Narrow down really not to the wider questions of AUKUS, but just to that question of nuclear-powered submarines. That said, um, it still took a lot of effort and a lot of work behind the scenes just to force that debate to where it was. And I think that people in Labor Against War, as well as other activists in and around the party, do deserve credit for just getting that debate even to that point on conference four in the end, when the government would have rather had no debate at all.
0: Mm-hmm. And Pat Conroy, of course, he came out of, um, I think, the Manufacturing Union, didn't he, in the past somewhere and yep, claims to be left. Right. He, he um, accused people like you of being appeasers and uh, mm-hmm. and likened you to Bob Menzies, for God's sake. Yeah,
4: that's right. Pat Conroy, um, he said, among all the many other things, um, that the truth, Delegate, is that strength deters war. Appeasement invites conflict. And then he drew the parallel between uh, John Curtin as Labor leader before World War II, opposing Bob Menzies selling a pig iron off to Imperial Japan um, and said the conference of delegates, do you want to be on the side of John Curtin or do you want to be on the side of pig iron Bob Menzies? The The truth is, delegates, AUKUS is progressive because it deters war. AUKUS is progressive because it better protects our people by having capabilities of our own. Um, that's the sort of Orwellian quality uh, mm. that there was to Pat Conroe's contribution. Um, and I've got to tell you, perhaps my favourite part of um, what he had to say... That's right. It was when Pat Conroe was summing up, and this gives a sense of what the quality of the debate was like from the government. He said, if you're pro-human rights, you need to be pro-AUCUS. If you're pro-peace, you need to be pro-AUCUS. If you're pro-manufacturing, advanced you need to be pro-AUKUS. If you're pro-tripartite a tripartite approach to bringing manufacturing back to this country, you need to be pro-AUKUS. This is in the national interest.
0: Someone should point out to people like Conroy and Miles and, and Albanese, for that matter, that George Orwell wasn't actually serious. It was satire.
4: No, these guys are pretty humorless in their own way. Yeah, the main sweetener of that, the government put out, not just in the debate on the floor, but in the months leading up to this national conference, Kevin, uh, and in a way to try and defuse any opposition from unions, um, is basically holding out all these sweeteners to the unions who have, you know, who cover the industries that have a direct bind to AUKUS, especially the guarantee that AUKUS will bring what they're claiming will be 20,000 well-paid, secure union jobs. Um the classic manoeuvres of labourism, if you like. Mm. Uh, I don't think they're fully completely succeeded in that regard, but that's constantly what they're saying. So we're going to do AUKUS in a labour way, uh, and we're going to have 20,000 well-paid, secure union jobs building these submarines and all the other infrastructure and technology. And apparently the only way we could ever get that many decent, well-paid union jobs in a manufacturing sector is by building the weapons of war. I can't imagine what else uh, we could possibly be doing.
0: Well, Dave Sweeney from the you know, Australian Conservation Foundation Anti-Nuclear Campaign, he's calculated that the cost of that the cost of of uh, AUKUS is thirty eight million dollars a day for the whole period of uh, thirty years or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's been and it, you know the figure's been check- checked that it's correct. Thirty eight. Now, what you could do with thirty eight million a day to create jobs that don't kill people, I would have thought, would be pretty amazing.
4: Yeah, that's right. But there's priority. These, uh, these
0: harbingers of the neoliberal war machine, Kevin. Yeah, that's, like, it's, it's astonishing, isn't it? In mean, I mean, fact, at a, at a rally I went to, an anti august rally I went to, Kevin Bracken, the ex-Secretary of the um, Maritime Union, he made that point that they could they could spend that money on, say, uh, creating jobs in the offshore wind industry and all sorts of things, and building ships, um, just commercial ships to go around the coast, and the government owned them. Um, all sorts of ways in which you could spend the money and create jobs.
4: That's absolutely right. Um, what Michael Wright, the ETU national secretary, said in his contribution to the debate, um, which I thought was very fine, was that he said, "My union, the ETU." has always opposed the use of nuclear energy, nuclear power and nuclear weapons ever since their members first returned uh, from World War II in 1945, some of whom saw the effects of the atomic bombings of Japan firsthand. Um, and BTU and the other unions in that area have always made the point, why can't we be investing in you know, the huge resources that are required uh, to effect a just transition in our economy towards, you know, a green-powered, renewables-based economy instead.
0: Uh, and what was their attitude to the um, the question of the nuclear waste from these submarines, which we've said we'll accept here in Australia, because that's another serious side... Well, it's more than a side effect. It's a serious part of the problem.
4: I'm not sure if that was directly dealt with in the actual debate itself, but uh, my understanding is, I believe that the ETU and some of the other unions concerned um, oppose, like the Manufacturing Workers Union, oppose, you know, the storage of nuclear waste um, on Australian soil from any project, including AUKUS. The statement in detail goes on about how um, it will, you know, only be stored on defence land. Um, That doesn't, of course, exclude the government... Acquiring further territory as defence land to store nuclear waste on, and talks about how it will be done in consultation with respect to traditional owners to ensure that you know their culture is respected and so on. So there's all those sorts of platitudes and motherhood statements in there. Um, yeah, but I believe those unions are consistent in opposing the storage of nuclear waste. So
0: and- soil. Yeah, and, and also just in the last week or so we've spent another 1.7 billion to 200 um, Tomahawk missiles from the US and in the last couple of days we've announced millions, trillions more on some other weapons from there. I heard a commentator the other day make the point that everything we're buying if we're talking about this as a defence thing everything we're buying is an offensive weapon not a defence weapon.
4: Precisely right. And the fact that AUKUS is plugged in the whole concept of forward defence, I think that's the term, isn't it, forward defence? Yep. That must be one of the most dangerous and, again, Orwellian conceptions that there is. Forward defence really doesn't make much sense um, as a self-justification. They're they're meant to be used far, far away from the Australian mainland, really, is one of the flanks of uh, the US policy of encircling and containing... China as its next nearest rival in the Asia-Pacific region. Um, I should also just make this point that one of the terms that was used often in the debate and in the platform is talk about Australia's commitment to upholding the rules-based order or the rules-based international order. And that's a term we've um, heard a lot as well since Russia's barbaric invasion of Ukraine last year. The term rules-based international order really only came in both, I think, in the last five years in the sort of official foreign policy discourse um, and discussions. And really what it actually means is the US-dominated world order in which the only person who determines what is the rules-based order and which international wars can and can't be broken is the United States. The United States and its select uh, few allies can break those laws whenever they feel like it no one else.
0: Yeah, the US certainly does seem to be quite selective in um in its attitude to different countries doing the same thing, but um, mm,
4: that's right, yeah. But it's the total duplicity uh, and meaningless of that term, rules based international order. No one should be sucked into. No one should be sucked into it.
0: That debate, though, you know, for years and years and years going back, the the American alliance has always been a major debate in the ALP, and unfortunately, it's we've always they've always had leaders who. Um, who go along with it, and uh, like we've got now. In fact, we've seen to closer than ever, unfortunately. Mm,
4: precisely. I mean, Kevin, your time in the Labor Party, I know you've been there and done that, as you've often counseled me, but you went from a time where the Labor Party opposed Australia's involvement in the US war in Vietnam to the Hawke government um, committing Australia to the Gulf War in
0: 1991. Mm. Yep. Yeah, Jack, I'll look on that We're going to have to go because time's up. <laughs> the next no program's coming on. But look, Jack, thanks for your time this morning and, um, and all power to you in terms of fighting those bloody fights.
4: Thank you for having me on, Kevin, and can I just make a point? What is absolutely vital now is we build up a mass movement in this country to stop AUKUS, to force Australia's exit from it, and to stop the dangerous drive towards militarism uh, and war in the region we live in and that we're a part of uh, and in our world.
0: OK, Jake, look, thanks for that. Jack Howard there, who's, um, as we said, he's part of a group called Labour Against uh, War and got all power to him. And, Nick and Joe coming on shortly. Next week, city limits, we've got transport. John McPherson... And, um, Karina, thanks for doing a wonderful job. Happy birthday.
3: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to
1: allthews.3cr.org.au.